Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 8, and the last message that we were in, um, we talked about how um, our rejoicing comes from our relationship with Christ, uh, not because of the revenues or the rewards, right? And uh, it's not what we can get from Christ, it's not um, how good our life is with stuff or with the things that He blesses us with, but uh, our rejoicing comes from our relationship with Him. It's about him. And in our text, uh, verse 8 said there was great joy in the city over what was going on. Again, the great works that were going on, people rejoiced over that. And again, the outward works we should rejoice in. When we see God doing things on the outside and we can, we can be witnesses of that, we should absolutely worship and, and praise God for that. Uh, but again, we know that our circumstances can change for the negative. We know that sometimes we don't see uh, these great things that God are, God's doing in our lives. And sometimes those things change quickly. Sometimes they change in a morning. And uh, again, it just, it, it's something that we need to remember that our rejoicing comes from Him. I can rejoice no matter what's going on in this world, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter how good things are or no matter how bad things are, I can rejoice because I rejoice in Christ. And that's where we should all be. And so again, I want to, uh, in, encourage you to turn in Acts chapter 8. If you're not there, it'll be on the screen. And uh, we're going to jump back into this study this morning, but let's pray uh, once, once again. Father, we ask that you would bless your word now. Uh, God, that your spirit would move in this place. Lord, we know that uh, there's different attacks, different struggles going on uh, in this church family. Uh, but again, we still know that you're in control and that you're doing great works. And uh, Lord, for the things that we can see, we praise you. And for things we don't see, we praise you. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would bless now uh, in everything that's said. Uh, let it be exactly what you once said. And I uh, pray that you're glorified in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the last verse we saw um, talked about the great joy that was in, in uh, the city. And what's interesting is as you look in the, the next verse, in verse 9, what is the first word? Look, on verse, look at verse 9. What's the first word there? But. Right? That's, that's typically how it goes. Again, what I had uh, previously shared is that anytime God's working, you can be sure that the enemy of God is working. Uh, and if, you know, sometimes the, the immediate reaction is to, to think, well, if something's going wrong in the church, something must be wrong with the church. And again, we see in the first church, they had problem after problem after problem and yet God was blessing in amazing ways. We talked about how objects going in the same direction never come head to head. And so it's so important for us to understand this, that whenever God's working, the enemy will be working. There's great joy in the city, but, verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed. Look at that word again. They all he had the city captivated by his sorcery. And so they, he had their, their attention. He had their uh, wonder, their amazement. They were astonished. It says from the least to the greatest. So the most powerful in the city to the poorest in the city. Everybody looked at this guy as someone of influence, someone of power, someone of, uh, again, to uh, regard. It says this man is the great power of God. Now can you imagine Philip walking into a city where somebody had that much influence? And what was Philip bringing? Philip was bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Again, there was great things going on. There's great joy in that city because of what Philip was doing. But this man was in the city as well. He had the people captive by the works. Verse 11, and they heeded him. They listened to him because he, was, he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. I've preached in, in, in many messages in the past about how Satan, he doesn't, he doesn't have to work like right now. Satan has been around for a long time. And sometimes he likes to just, I believe, observe what's going on and then, just like a lion, look for his perfect opportunity to strike. This was something that had been going on for a long time in this city, this deception. You've heard it a, a million times. You're going to hear it a million and one this morning. I've already said it in the beginning. Mark it down. Remember it. If God is working in your life, if you see God at work around you, be sure that the adversary is working too. You, you come down to this altar this morning or during the week sometime, you, you pray a prayer, God, I just want to be used. God, I want to I reach my neighbors. God, I want to see this person saved. God, use me. God, use me. Or, or you surrender more of your life to the Lord. God, I surrender. Just get ready. The enemy's coming. And that's not to, to, to make us fear. There's no reason to fear in that. That's just for us to be alert and sober, be aware, as we'll see in just a little bit. We've talked about the natural man's tendency in something like this might be to pull back. Whenever the enemy attacks, say, God, I want to do more for you. God, I surrender more to you. And the enemy comes, and, and the natural man's, again, response is to say, oh, you know what? I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. If, if, if surrendering more to the Lord means this, then I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to surrender more. I don't want to follow that same path of obedience that might lead to death. See, Philip could have said that. These men were following Christ. They had to share Jesus. They had to share him with others, no matter what it cost. And the reason why, because I believe they had counted the cost, just as Jesus had told them to. We also talked about in, in the previous message about how the first church uh, was facing this opposition. And, and again, I want to remind you, just because there's opposition doesn't mean that it's not the will of God being done. Satan wants to destroy the church, and he loves to start with deception. He loves to start with deception and distraction. How can I get this believer, how can I get these bodies of, this, this body of believers to live on fear, to live on their feelings instead of faith and being faithful? I believe that's his, his approach. How can I get a child of God who I can't have their soul anymore, how can I render them ineffective? They're, they're praying this. They're surrendering more to him. They're, they're, they're being obedient to, to get the gospel out in their community and, 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 and see God doing great things. How can I get them to believe a lie and start living on fear and feelings? And he moves often from that deception and that distraction that he loves to throw, throw our way to discouragement. And that's what a lot of people go through. You start believing lies, whether they're lies that are rolling around your head or whether you have a conversation with somebody on the side and they say, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know that I would do this or I don't know, or I, you know what, I'm just afraid of this or I'm afraid of that. And all of a sudden those, those seeds are planted and, and fear starts to, to, to rule and, and then feelings start to dominate decisions. And before you know it, you're discouraged in the faith. 
You're discouraged about serving the Lord. I believe his hope in that discouragement is to disable, to render, again, the child of God, the church of God, ineffective in the mission. Because ultimately, if he can get us discouraged and, and, and disabled in, in serving the Lord together, then division is in, imminent. If we're not working together, if we're not on the same page with the same mind, the same heart, striving together for the faith of the gospel, then I believe division's coming. And if we're divided, united we stand, divided we fall. So he'll try every way possible. He'll try from without, he'll try from within. And we talked about this truth as well, that if not willing to face difficulty in some form or fashion, if we're not ready to say, you know what, no matter what we go through, we're going to be steady on, then we might be in the wrong place or headed the wrong direction. Listen to me, please, this morning. If you and I, right now, are, are seeking to live a life of fluff, comfort, personal preference, we're deceived about what following Christ truly is. Well, I just want things like this. Or I just want things like they used to be. Stop living for that. We need to all stop living for what we want in this life. Every single one of us needs to be determined, counting the cost, that we will live for Christ regardless of that cost. You say, why? Why is this such an important thing? Because we're in a war. We are in a battle. It's a real battle. Whether you want the battle or the war or not, you're in it. And it's a real spiritual battle. You know, you and I have a decision. We can either do it God's way, we can fight the battle God's way in the Lord's strength, or we can try to do it our way. We can try to make it from day to day, from battle to battle, in our own strength, going the world's way. And I promise you this, you're, you and I are going to get toe up. That's, that's, we're going to get tore up if we try to do it our way. If we try to do things the world's way in a spiritual battle, he's going to mop the floor with us. And he does mop the floor with us. He drives us to fear. He drives us to make decisions in our feelings. He drives us to, to be contrary with the body. He drives us to be on our own page because, by the way, we're living for our own comfort and our own preferences. What united this first church, what made them strong in the face of adversity, whenever the great people that were intimidating figures in cities like Simon the Sorcerer, who had all the people to see, had all their attention, had all their ears, what gave them the power, what gave them the courage, what gave them the strength to walk into that city, knowing that the stoning of Stephen that was right before him went into the, the city and still preached the gospel. It was the faith that they had in Jesus Christ alone. It drove them. They, they had to share the gospel. They had to be on mission because Jesus was their Lord and he was alive. We need to start living our lives with that as our focus. And Jesus told Peter, Hey, hey, Peter, I want to let you know, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. And once he's done sifting you as wheat, I want you to come back and I want you to strengthen the brethren. You know what Peter did not say? 
Peter didn't say, oh, Lord, please no. Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. Please don't let Satan sift me as wheat. <laughs> Jesus was right there. He told him, Satan is going to have his way with you. Peter said, no. Peter didn't pray that God would not allow that to happen. What did he say? He said, no, 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 no. I would die for you. I would go, I would, I would, I would face whatever for you. I'm, I'm not going to let this happen. And he says, look, I think I put it in the notes. Yeah, Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, behold, Satan, a man to have you, and they might sift you like wheat. But I pray for you that your, what? Your faith may not fail. I didn't pray that, oh, Father, please don't let Satan sift Peter like, no. He's, he wants to sift you like wheat, and I pray that your faith would not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. I've got a work for you to do. When Satan comes on the attack, and when he comes after you, when he comes after your family, when he comes after your, your, your faith, your conviction, all those things, I want you to return when it's all said and done and keep fighting in the battle. Strengthen your brothers. Again, Peter would say, I die for you. And we know how that, that goes. Jesus said, look, you're going to die me three times before that rooster crows. It's going to happen. Paul would charge the Ephesian believers in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, a very familiar scripture. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the wiles of the devil. Why? Because we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. That's not where the battle is. But we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, in light of the fact that we are in a battle, that we are in a spiritual war, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Not that you can escape the battle, not that you can escape the schemes and the darts that the enemy throws. You need to ready yourself for battle so that you can stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having, your, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. The shield of what? The shield of faith. Why? So that you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. Stay awake. Know that you're in a battle. Know that the enemy's not going to give up. Know that he's going to have a Simon. Know that he's going to have an attack coming after you, your family, your church. Keep alert, though, with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. Point number one this morning is this. One of Satan's greatest tactics is deception. And the reason why I, I believe that's an important point to grasp from this early church is because, again, Simon the sorcerer had this whole city deceived. He had them under his satanic influence, this sorcery. It had captivated the city. Satan is still working deceptions that captivate cities. Look, if you don't think that there is not a deception going on, in this nation right now? I encourage you to pull your spiritual head out of the sand. 
there is a major deception going on. And I'm not saying it's just suddenly come on or it came on last year. I believe, again, as we talked about a while ago, there's so many of us that think that that living in this life, even if we're Christian, is about living a life of our own preference, living for the things in this world, doing the things that we want to do. And when we can't do those things, something must be wrong. Jesus' interaction with some of the believing Jews and also some of the the Pharisees, um, he said to the believing Jews this in John chapter 8. He said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. That's what he said. That that was the qualification. If you stay with my my truth, if you keep following me, if you keep obeying me, then it proves that you are my disciples. And you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. But then he says this to the unbelieving the self-righteous, the self-justifying religious crowd, the Pharisees, the ones who thought it was all about them, the, one who had, the ones who had formed such a system in their own life that when Jesus threatened that system, they said crucify him. That's how bad these guys were about their own way of living, their own way of religion. And they had the Torah. They had God, the, the Hebrew God. They had all those things. And yet when Jesus, God in the flesh, was right before them, they didn't want to follow his way because it it messed with their lifestyle. He said something different to that crowd. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin, or practices sin, is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And you know that most of them were thinking, yeah, from Abraham, that's right, from the law, from Moses, my law of Moses. And they said that, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man that who has told you truth that I have heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works that your your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? He says it's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. 
Philip had continued in Jesus' words. Philip had continued in obedience, in, in, in the will of God, following the commands of Jesus, no matter what. Why? Because he had trusted Christ alone. His word. And God was working. Even when Satan was glaringly working. And here we're introduced to this sorcerer named Simon who had this influence, this deception in this region of Samaria, had a grip on their belief in God. These people thought they had this relationship with God because they saw the works, the, the sorcery works of Simon. And they said, oh, he's doing the great works of God. And, and they had, that, that was their connection to God. Uh, again, I want to make, make sure we don't make any mistakes here. The enemy loves to plant seeds. And he uses people and circumstances to sway our feelings, our thoughts, and our decisions. He'll use people just like Simon. So, oh, wow, this is amazing. And if we can be pulled away from truth, the word, and the love of God, then our focus and our purpose in our life can be skewed. How many of us go into self-survival, self-preservation mode when our lives, when our, when, when our, when our health, when, when our way of living is threatened? And these things are skewed. Almost every relationship and everything that has to do with the kingdom can all become subject to deconstruction. And when you start going, pulled away from the truth and pulled away from, from the word of God and from faith, and your focus and your purpose that you're even on this earth for gets skewed, then everything is up for, for grabs, it seems. Think about it. It's what happens in relationships, whether they're husband and wife or work relationship or church family relationship. It, it, it definitely happens here. Now put this in your notes as well. We are strong united. But let's not be deceived. We are also weak divided. We have got to have that same mind, that same heart. No matter what comes against us, no matter what we face, no matter what tries to threaten us, no matter what deceptions the enemy throws at us, Let's always remember we have a mission to be on while we're on this earth. Nothing changes that. Nothing. In our text, again, the people weren't believers yet, and they were being deceived by this sorcery. They had this form of religion, belief like demons, and what they had experienced because of what they saw. Not because of the gospel, not because of the relationship with Christ, but in verse 12, we see this turn. You see, a turn in the people, a turn from astonishment in these sorcery works to complete faith in Jesus Christ through the preaching of, of the words of Christ, through the gospel, which, of course, changed their lives. Verse 12 says, when they, they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. That's amazing. But look what happens next. Verse 13, then Simon himself also believed Man, you want to talk about revival, right? We, again, in our church, we've seen the Lord bringing people to this church. Yes, people moving to this, you know, wanting to join the church. We've seen just recently uh, people getting saved. We've got young people getting saved, kids getting saved, adults getting saved, wanting to be baptized. There's, there's all these, wanting to be discipled, all these things going on. While the world around us and while these things are happening to come against us, 
Let's never, mar- let's ne- never stop marveling at the works in the hand of God. This Simon the sorcerer says that he believed, and, he, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. You can imagine a man that was doing the works, these miracle works, probably the power of Satan, no, no doubt. But now he's, he's walking with the followers of Christ, and they're seeing miracles happen by the hand of God. And he was amazed. Something that's so important for us to remember, point number two is this, that the word of God destroys all deception. You, you wanna, how are you going to face the lies? How are you going to face, whether they're lies in your head, well, they don't like me, they, they treat me bad, they, they didn't say hi to me. What, how are you going to battle the lies? How are you going to battle? Well, you need to be afraid. You need, to, you, need to, you need to be so afraid in your life. You need to, well, how are you going to battle the lies the enemy throws at you? How are you going to battle the lies that, again, it was outward signs that these people were deceived by? How do you battle that? How Philip battled it is he preached the word of God, the kingdom. How you and I are going to make it through any lies, any deceptions that, this, that the enemy throws at us is the word of God. Are you, are you struggling with, well, I don't know if anybody in the church, I don't, I don't, I don't feel connected, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Stop believing the lies and get in the word of God. Well, I'm just afraid if, if this happens or if that. Stop being afraid. Get in the word of God. Let the word of God fill you with faith. It's the constant. And it's the uniter of the people of God, the word of God. That's why we gather here. That's why we're reminded of things Many of these things you already know so that we're united in the Word of God. Again, truth destroys lies. So how do I battle it? Get into it. John 17, 17, Jesus was praying for his followers. And in the middle of his prayer, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Set them apart. Make them consecrated, Lord, through your truth. Your Word is truth. Again, praying for us even. We know that the Word of God destroys all deceit. In the case of salvation every time, when we get saved, our direction changes, our desires change, our lives change because of the truth and the work of the Holy Spirit. You want to know how to battle deception that wrecks marriages, that wrecks churches, that wrecks the people of God in general? Rely solely on truth. Let the word of God be your strength. Let the word of God be your source. Let it be everything to you. I said a while ago, 1 Peter chapter 5, be sober and vigilant. Why? Because you know you have an adversary and he's the devil. You know what he's doing? He's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. What is the charge after that? Resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist the enemy as he attacks. Be alert, be, be sober. Know that you're in a spiritual battle. Know that the enemy's coming for you. He's looking for you to stop living by faith and relying on the word of God and to start going off of your feelings and, stop go, and start going off any deceptions he can throw your way. He's looking for those weak moments. But you need to be alert and sober, knowing that he's coming for you. 
Not being afraid, but you need to resist them steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him steadfast in what? In the faith. It's been the recurring theme in, in, in this message this morning. But how does that happen? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. That's where we're going to find our strength. That's where, that's where the strength of the Lord is in the battle. In the, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's going to be found in the word of God. James chapter 4, submit, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Here it is again. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter return to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he, in his strength, will lift you up. But he goes on to say this. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law but if you're a judge of the law you're not a doer of the law but a judge and there's one lawgiver who's able to save and destroy who are you to judge another you feel under attack this morning you feel like your family is is under attack. you feel like our church is under attack what do we do immerse ourselves in the lord it's like I feel like I'm, I'm struggling. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with so many things right now. Immerse yourself in the Lord. Immerse yourself in worship. Immerse yourself in the Word. In everything, every day. How are you going to make it through? Not in your own strength. Not in your own cleverness. The only way we're going to face those attacks, I'm struggling. Man, I feel under attack. It's only going to be in the power of His might. Are you living in fear? Does something scare you? Does something have control over you? I'm just afraid of losing my job. I'm afraid if this happens, then this will happen. I'm always worried about things. I'm always anxious. Well, if this happens or if this is going on and this, then. The Bible says the just live by faith, not fear. Was Philip fearing when he went to Samaria? No, he was operating in faith. He had every reason to operate in fear. He had seen people give their lives for the gospel. He had seen attacks come and persecution scatter the church. But he continued in faith. You hear those promises in that word? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. You want to feel his presence? Draw near to him. Do I read my Bible every day? No, no, no. That's good. No, draw near to him. Press into him. Get intimate with him. Don't just go through motions. Draw near to him. No matter how many times we hear this, I, myself included, we still try to handle attacks and struggles in our own strength. Why? <laughs> Why? We still, we still do it on, uh, on a regular basis. We, we, we get help through one trial or one attack, one struggle in our family, one struggle in our, in our own self, and one struggle at work, and we get to the next one. And what do we often do? We don't press into the Lord like we should. We try to handle it in our own strength again. Why? Why do we do that? 
Maybe we're more carnal and fleshly than we're willing to admit. Apostle Paul addressed the Corinthians about this. It was one of the sources of the problems in the church of Corinth. And I'm going to close. But it says this, And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, like you are babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, because up till now you weren't able to receive it, he said. And even now you're, not, you're still not able, because you're still carnal. You're still operating in the flesh. You're still going on. And, 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 and he points out, here's the evidence of it. For there are envy and strife and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? He said, the fact that you are envying one another and, and there's strife and there's divisions, you're not on the same page. It's evident that you're still operating in the flesh. If we want to allow the enemy to deceive us and distract us, which will ultimately lead to our division as a church, destruction, then every single one of us in here need to just continue to operate and try to handle attacks on our own strength. And it'll happen. But if we want to see success, spiritual success, in our spiritual battles, in the spiritual battle that we're in every day, then we've got to do it God's way and in His strength. You got to remember that we are the Lord's church. He is our Lord. And we're supposed to be in the same battle together. We need to remember that the battle is ahead of us. Can't do anything about what's behind us. And the enemy's not going to let us. I want to encourage you with this as a close. Romans chapter 8. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? In 1 John chapter 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Again, church, let's remember, not just with, if, if, if uh, there's an attack with, with sickness on our church, whether it's what's going on in America, whether it's what's going on in your personal life, let's remember we are a family. We are in this together. Never buy the lie that the battle is with flesh and blood. It's not with a politician. It's not with a political party. It's not with any. The battle is not with flesh and blood. Just like Simon the sorcerer was an instrument of Satan, and just like Philip was an instrument of God, that's the, that's, that's the options that we have in our world today. We can either yield ourselves as an instrument of righteousness unto God or be yielded to the enemy as an instrument for him. I want to encourage you this morning to remember that the enemy is a deceiver. And he loves to still deceive the people of God if he can. Let's remember the word of God is what destroys all deception. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be again in this place. Thank you for the reminder this morning as we face attacks of different kind in our life, uh, whether they're health struggles or whether they're uh, just mental, emotional struggles, uh, whether things in our life change at such a rapid rate that it makes us feel uncomfortable. And Lord, help us remember that this world is not our home. Help us remember we are here for a little while, and that little while we're supposed to be on your mission. God, help us to get united 100% in that mission. 
Lord, help us remember that we're to live by faith and not by fear. And as we respond to your word this morning, I pray that you'll give us the strength we need in the spiritual battle that we're in. We know that it's available to us, but help us to, to choose it, Lord. I ask you to just move now in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. As the music plays, I want to encourage you to come.